All righty, members, it's uh, time for the General Knowledge Podcast. Here we go with another bonus content show for my beautiful members. Uh, returning guest today, I have got Mr. John Kerwin from wakeuporelse.com coming back on for a little visit. Uh, we had John on uh, just recently for one of our uh, brand new shows for the season with his um, talking about his uh, awesome book, The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. That was a great show. There, thanks again, John, for uh, for yeah. your time, mate. I think we can show. I had, a f- had a few good emails and some comments. Uh, people appreciate the content, and I said it was a good way to start the season, so that's good. <laughs> Have you been super doing great? I'm glad to be back. It's really great to be able to catch up with you again and your uh, followers, your subscribers. So, looking forward to it. We mentioned on the show last time we had John on, and uh, he said he had some inf- interesting information about the Mandela effect and um, the tie-in to the Bible as well. And he reckons he's got like some proofs with regards to that. So that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Here we go. So he's got providing biblical analysis of the Mandela effect since 2017. Um, So yeah, we'll we'll definitely be getting into it. So once I saw that on his website uh, over at wakeuporelse.com, I was like, well, that sounds interesting. Uh, I know we have done a Mandela Effect uh, episode before, which was actually um, bonus content show number 36. I think Andy and I, back in uh, July of 2022, we did a show. Uh, it was uh, CERN, the Mandela Effect, and Simulation Theory. We had a bit of fun with that one. It was quite interesting. And we'll probably touch retouch on a few of those as well uh, with John today um, and the Mandela Effect, because it, it hasn't stopped. It's, if anything, it's actually gained momentum. Uh, so it's yeah, John. I was just mentioning uh, to the members that well, we did. I did that Mandela effect show with Andy back in 2022 in July, and you know it was it was popular back then, but it hasn't lessened at all. It is actually even more popular now. This Mandela effect, it's crazy. Um, still, still going as strong as ever, even gaining momentum. I would say I thought it was rather interesting. And then I mentioned that on your website during the last show that we did, how you mentioned that you did a uh, biblical analysis of the Mandela effect. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. Let's get you back on for a show <laughs> to talk about that. Hence your uh, reason for being here today, which is awesome. So cool. hopefully we can um, unpack that a little bit and find out exactly what that's all about. But before we get into it, I, I thought I would um, go to the mainstream media and see what their version of what the Mandela effect is. So this is out of a website called medicalnewstoday.com. Um so here we go. I type, basically typed in, what is the Mandela effect? And this is one of the links that came up. So this is their, their version. I won't go, I won't read the whole article. It does break it down a fair bit, gives it examples and all that sort of effect, but I'll then skip down to the summary after I read this first bit. Link will be in the show notes for anyone else who wants to actually see what their version is, but here we go. So typing in, what is the Mandela effect? The Mandela effect is a type of false memory that occurs when many different people incorrectly remember the same thing. It refers to a widespread false memory that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 1980s, hence the name the Mandela Effect. Memories are not always precise recordings of events. They can change with time, and a person may have different memories in different contexts. Memory is also highly suggestible, which means that other people's opinions and memories may influence what a person remembers. Thus, widespread incorrect information can subtly influence individual memories, giving rise to conspiracy theories and harmful false beliefs. Incorrect beliefs about the death of Nelson Mandela are just one example of the Mandela effect. Read on to learn more about the Mandela effect, including some examples and possible causes. But I'll just skip down now to just the summary here, just so we can see how they've summed up what the Mandela effect is. The Mandela effect refers to all widespread false memories that large numbers of people or a group of individuals believe they may be harmless, but can also support conspiracy theories or political agendas. Memory is not a perfect recording of events that happened. It can change with time and with practice and priming. If, uh, oh, sorry, and with practice and priming. If a person's only source of evidence that something happened is from their own memory, it is possible that it did not happen. Individual verification of memories, especially those with important social or political consequences, can slow the spread of misinformation and conspiracies. So there you go. Basically, they've just boiled it down to say that your memories are are fallible. They're not always right. 
and that not only are they not always right, but these things can um, induce the spread of misinformation and conspiracies and be harmful as well. I don't exactly see how they can be harmful. Um, I guess uh, that's just the mainstream versions of this. But I also tried to find some alternative news versions of what the Mandela Effect is. So this is from Gaia.com, quite a well-known uh, alternative news site. Do lots of documentaries and all sorts of stuff. Let's see what they've got to say about the Mandela Effect. This was printed only, uh, sorry, published about four years ago. Mandela Effect, CERN and Hidden Parallel Universes. The concept of the Mandela Effect is simple. Over time, a few minor details surrounding significant events and therefore our perception of these events might somehow change and may continue to improve in the years ahead. In other words, the tried and true space-time continuum that appears to be the backbone of our collective three-dimensional physical reality might have a ripple in it. It also may have produced a sister parallel universe, which has birthed different scenarios, events, identities, constructs, and relationships. It might also be true that our tiny insignificant brains are slowly evaporating and can no longer handle every detail that flashes across our eyes. As we forget events out of fear, we attempt to reassemble them in our imperfect minds. Given that we're all probably of the same species, each of our brains might make mistakes that are akin to the next, especially when it comes to certain types of events and sets of details. It's important to consider that our brains are continually comparing, analyzing, and constructing ideas and memories to justify their notions of reality, often from poorly assembled concepts and thin air. Given that, it might be fair to say that all brains build memories and memory bridges with similar strategies and outcomes. All this to say that because of our shared DNA, our brains will construct similar data sets and similar conclusions. Maybe this is the question we've yet to ask. Have large groups of people moved backward or forwards in time, witnessed potential trajectories, returned to their primary space-time paths, and then somehow integrated all collected information into a new perspectives, refreshed with new sets of details? And Albert Einstein, they put a quote here, if quantum theory is correct, it signifies the end of physics and science as a science. So again, I won't read through the uh, whole article there, but they've given some examples, and I'll just read a few of these popular ones, of course, that just to refresh, Nelson Mandela died in 2013 versus died in prison in the 80s. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood versus the neighborhood. The Berenstein Bears versus the Berenstein Bears. Death of Billy Graham in 2018 versus him dying years ago with President Clinton giving a eulogy. Henry, uh, King Henry VIII's portrait holding a glove versus a turkey leg. Mother Teresa canonized post-mortem versus in the 90s. Rock group Queen song ending with We Are the Champions versus Of the World. Sex and the City versus Sex in the City. Jif peanut butter versus Jiffy peanut butter. Curious George without a tail versus with a tail. C-3PO with a silver leg versus both gold legs. Patrick Swayze died of pancreatic cancer versus he fully recovered. I've even heard of that one. Monopoly man monocle versus without a monocle. For uh, There's just a few examples there. There are many, many, many more. But there you go. That's just a little quick rundown on version of what the uh, Mandela effect is. And like I mentioned, I'll put those links in the show notes as well. But Andy and I did do a show uh, talking about the Mandela effect. We tied in perhaps the possibility of the CERN super collider firing up and causing, when they're smashing these atoms together, perhaps causing a ripple in the space-time or uh, you know, tearing a, a rift in the fabric of, of time and reality as we know it, causing them to split off into different versions. Uh, we talked about the glitches in the matrix as well, odd things happening that we're seeing, uh, footage from around the world, people doing odd things, planes in, planes in the sky, just sitting in the sky, not moving for a few minutes and uh, not gaining any ground or losing ground. They're just sitting and hovering. Lots of different examples. Birds staying still in the sky with wings and weird you know, positions. And when someone touches them, then they fly away. Like, how does that happen? There's nothing even, they're not caught on anything. Very strange things. Lots of different stuff. But that was basically the gist of it. We sort of had a bit of fun with that episode. Um, but today, like I said, John Kerwin is joining me from Wake Up or Else, and he's 
got his own take on some of this sort of stuff and is providing what we would refer to as, or he refers to as, you know, the biblical analysis of the Mandela effect. So it sounds very intriguing, very interesting, and I'd like to hear your take on this. Thanks, John. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a uh, exotic topic. I mean, it's not like the conventional conspiracy theory topic where, you know, it's are they lying or not? This is, you know, a perception it, that has to be validated. So essentially the article that you referenced initially, the testimony of that article is that our testimony is not our testimony. Mm. Our testimony is that something unexplainable is happening and then all of the unconvinced are saying, no, that's not what you're experiencing. You're just misremembering. So the question then becomes, how do you determine whose testimony is convincing? So it's very yeah. similar to if you're in a court of law and let's say, you know, the person is guilty of or, or being accused of murder is on the stand and I bring in a witness that sets that says they saw the guy at the scene of the crime. Okay, now that's that's the testimony. And then the, the defense brings in three witnesses that give an alibi to the guy on the stand. So the three witnesses then counteract the first testimony. So it's a testimony battle. Whose testimony is more valid? Mm -hmm. So what we have to do is remove the objection. So I, I wrote down in the first paragraph, you had the term false memory incorrectly remember, memories are not always precise, widespread incorrect memories, and then, of course, the mind control term conspiracy theory always has to be injected to does. communicate, you know, don't believe this because we're labeling it as a conspiracy theory. That's right. That's right. Now, a false Actually, memory is not really what we're experiencing. Our testimony is that we're experiencing our memory is functioning just fine, thank you. What has changed is not, we're not misperceiving, we're being miscategorized. Our memory is the thing that is working, and then there's some sort of external thing that's changed. Either the timeline, our consciousness has shifted, or there's a shift of a universe. It's something very exotic. We don't know what it is, but we or, know what it or is. I may also throw in too, John, that it could be a man-made change and i'll tie that in a little bit later yeah. on to say that it that there could be someone or something or some sort of organizational force behind implementing trying to implement false memories in people as well yeah yeah like there's different theories of how it's happening right. one of them is that there's you know a mind control thing being implemented but it's on all humanity it's not two groups of people having two different experiences all of humanity remembers mirror, mirror on the wall. All of humanity remembers the lion laying down with the lamb, the monopoly guy having the monocle. We all share the same memories as humanity. The only difference is the conclusion that the two groups come to when they have the catastrophic memory failure. And that's really the key is the third statement the article made was the memories are not always precise. Well, I beg to differ. <laughs> okay, that statement is not true. It's it's propaganda. And and I can prove it. Anybody listening to me, I can prove that you don't really believe that either. It's really not what we believe. What we actually believe is that when it comes to vivid memories, pretty much all of humanity believes that the human memory is extremely reliable. And let me give an example. If you were to visit your aging parent who had been perfect health and you walk in the room and they don't recognize you, they say, who are you? What conclusion would you draw? Maybe they have Alzheimer's. Okay, that's the 100% answer that I get. So yep. your, your uh, expectation of a human being, if, if they're incapable of recognizing the face of their own child, you don't conclude that they're misremembering. Correct. Your, your conclusion is that some sort of mental illness has to be there because what your testimony is, is that the human memory is so reliable 
when it comes to vivid memories, like recognizing the face of your child, that if they can't recognize them, this is not a normal behavior. There has to be mental illness. Okay, now, I want you in this hypothetical scenario to now remove mental illness from the equation. I want you to imagine that your aging parent doesn't have mental illness and they can't recognize you. What reason would you now place on that experience? <laughs> well, <laughs> I tend, I'm thinking maybe did they suffer a head injury? Have they got amnesia or? <laughs> okay, yeah. There's um, nothing. There's nothing. So no, no head injury. They're not on any kind of medication or alcohol. Right. And they don't have mental illness, and there's no one running a scam to trick you or them. Right. They simply don't okay, recognize. So, so if that happens, so say for well, for example, now if I if I walked into my own home coming out of work and and my wife doesn't remember me, and there's no medical explanation, I would, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I would almost be flabbergasted. Like, uh, is this the right house? Like, what's exactly have I got something wrong? No, like. <laughs> Let me give you another example that's even more compelling. Let's pretend your name is Lee and you wake up tomorrow and your name is Jim. On all of your bank statements, it's Jim going back 20 years. Your birth certificate, your driver's license, your credit cards all say Jim. And now again, in this hypothetical, you don't have mental illness. You're not on any drugs. No one's scamming you. And you've you went to the pastor and you don't have a demon, okay? I mean, we've eliminated all of the possible naturalistic explanations. Would you agree that that would be a supernatural, unexplainable phenomenon that you're experiencing? I would, and it reminds me of a uh, an old, um, uh, what's that TV show? Um, Twilight Zone. You know that... Twilight Zone. Reminds me of an old Twilight Zone <laughs> episode where right. the guy he's like a he's like a colonel or whatever, and he goes to space, comes back home. Yes, yes, yes. His house has like a picket fence that he didn't remember. His yep. wife's name was different, but the fact she was the same person, but slight changes in his reality started yep. to emerge. He was going. He thought he was crazy. Like, what's going on? Yeah, it reminds me of that sort of situation. That was a total Mandela effect episode. I remember yeah. that. That's right. right and so, so he has this vivid memory. Like he knows who he is. He knows everything that should be there, but it's slightly changed. Yeah. All right. So we're getting somewhere. This is really the key, what we're, what we're working on. Right? So I want to just like nail this down. So what just happened, Lee, is your testimony is that you believe that the human memory is so reliable when it comes to vivid memories like your name, that even if the entire data sphere at your realm all around you is telling you your name is jim you would reject what the realm is telling you and you would side with the uh what's it called uh certainty you have mm -hmm. this emotional state called certainty you're like listen i don't care what the data sphere is telling me i know what my name is i mean could you mm -hmm. possibly imagine concluding well i must have just been misremembering my whole life that my name was lee no see so, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm me personally. If that happened to me, what I would do is I, in, internally, I would mm -hmm. be doing that. I would be internalizing that and going, Yeah, I know I'm right here, but this is really bizarre. I'm going yeah. to observe what's <laughs> happening here and I'm going to play along and just see what really happens yeah. here and what's going on and try and work it out in the back of my mind. You know, uh, that's I my mean, take on That's what I would do personally. But a lot of people I understand would definitely freak out and be like, And that'd be stubborn. Like, no, I know my name is Lee. Like, it's not. Friggin' Tom, like what's, yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of people would have that. Well, I mean, a lot of us did start to question, are we losing it? I mean, because this is mm. never before. Now, that brings me to my next empirical observation, which I think is is really uh, probably the most important question in this debate. Okay, so what you cannot deny, if you, if you look at the research, Google Analytics, uh, you can see that there's about 350,000 searches for the term Mandela Effect on YouTube every day. Uh, there's ch YouTube channels with over 200,000 subscribers that talk incessantly about the Mandela Effect. There's thousands of platforms or, or channels on all the platforms. I personally have about 6,300 subscribers and about 30 new a day. 
Uh, I talk almost exclusively about the Mandela effect. And so what you can't say is that it's a few crazy people in our mom's basement and it's being amplified by the internet. That is a Hail Mary, unresearched uh, uh, attempt to disparage what is obviously happening. This is millions of people, millions, okay? And what I find funny about that, John, is that the mainstream media is, is so against it. Every 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 mainstream media article is like, no, you're misremembering, you're wrong. There's exactly. no mainstream media articles I've seen going, you know what? These people are onto something. You know, there's none that I can see. Popular Mechanics, Parade, Reader's Digest, and Good Housekeeping all did multi-page spreads on Mandela. It was actually fairly positive. They were giving all the examples and showing that this mm-hmm. is on What were their conclusions though? Yeah. Well, sort of the same. You know, they're not going to promote it because it's definitely something that's being pushed on humanity for ill purposes. All right. But here's my here's my point. Mm-hmm. Never before in recorded history has there been any type of event where millions of people were suddenly stricken with some mental illness where they all started to testify that their reality, like hundreds of things that they vividly remember are no longer as they vividly remember them. That's never happened mm-hmm. before in history. Correct. Okay, so so my question to the unconvinced is, how do you explain that? Because that's not up for debate. You've got millions that's of people right. saying this is happening. So how did it happen? Yeah, and, it, and it's a relatively new phenomenon too, isn't that's it? That's right. Like, I, I can't say I recall this from the 90s, people saying that they were no. misremembering things or having this sort of Mandela effect type situation even though obviously the, the term wasn't coined for a few years later um, by, I think her name was Fiona Broom or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So it, it is, it's a relatively new phenomenon. And that's why when I mentioned it, and we'll, talk, we'll, we'll probably tie that a little bit later, you know, when CERN first started firing up and doing this stuff, you know, it seems to be around the same time that this... 2017 <laughs> this in July, July of 2017. There you go. That's what I mean. And I, I couldn't, I could tell, honestly say it before that, Never heard of it, never talked about it, never saw a video on it, didn't exist until CERN started firing up and uh, fucking with things. <laughs> right, it was it was um, July 2017, and that also corresponds directly to when the Google Analytics chart goes straight up, the same month. There you go. Wow, incredible. Okay. All right. Now, let me, let me finish my thought because this is the key right here. All right, so all these people are testifying to this. And you have to say, well, did they all get stricken with mental illness? Because you have to explain how. Is it a virus? That seems very unlikely. Is it Mm -hmm. some sort of demonic attack on these people? Well, that's a problem for the unconvinced because you have the same memories that we do. So the only thing that's different is we're just concluding that it's not natural and you are. So it's not a demonic. It's not a virus. It's a mind control weapon. You're being affected by it also. Okay, so... All of those are really irrelevant. The point is this. If you agree that there's millions of people claiming this and you don't have an explanation, would you agree that that in in and of itself is a phenomenon? Yeah. Okay, so now, if if you agree that that event is a phenomenon, then you can no longer try to tell me that it's just mental, uh, uh, you're just misremembering. In other words, oh, I can clear this up. This is just misremembering in the daily course of life. It's nothing new. This always happens. Well, you just admitted that that the experience that we're having is is a phenomenon. So you now can no longer put it in this naturalistic box. You can't have it both ways. That, to me, is the most important observation that I've been able to come to in seven years of doing this. Because Mm -hmm. the main argument against our testimony is... You're misremembering. Well, what I just did is I removed, I said, I object. And what the judge said is objection sustained. Your objection is out the window. And now the court of public opinion can open their hearts and minds to our evidence. Interesting. Yes, sir. Because your testimony is the evidence. When you submit your testimony in a court of law, if it is entered into the record, it becomes evidence, and the term evidence means true and valid and yeah. reliable because yeah. one testimony can send someone to prison for life. So testimony yeah. is it, evidence. 
And it would usually come in the form of a sworn affidavit as well. That's so right. it's got to be, you know, you write your testimony down, it's stamped or whatever by a JP or someone, yep. a justice of the peace of some sort comes. Yeah, that's evidence. You're right. Exactly. Um, well, fascinating. All right. Interesting. All right. Where do we go from here? Well, the, when you start to look at all the different examples, um, you might start to think, well, big deal. I still got to go to work. So what if Jiffy is no, now Jiff and the mirror mirror was his magic mirror? You know, what's the big deal? All right. Well, um, what I finally realized early on is after we saw these things in pop culture, we saw that geography is changing, spelling of words, spelling of people's names, movie lines, events in history, human anatomy. We then found out that the Bible is also being supernaturally changed as well. I believe that the Bible is actually the target of this and that everything else is just collateral damage. But I'm not I can't really prove that. Because the Bible changing is pretty much the most significant event in the entire church age next to Jesus Christ himself coming, dying for our sins and being resurrected. The Bible is being supernaturally changed to fulfill end times prophecy, by the way. This was foretold in the Bible in about four or five different places. Now, just to clarify, John, are you referring to biblical verses being tweaked and changed? Or yes. like what, what in particular? Give me an example of what you mean. I think right. people so, need an example of this. Of course. Um, the very words on the page are being altered magically. This is not Bible translation confusions. Um, this is, the Bible says, you know, take up your bed and walk is what you remember. And now you open the Bible and it says, take up your couch and walk. I had a lady <laughs> who was 75 years old and she reached out to me and she said, John, my King James Bible has been on my lap for 50 years. I opened up my Bible and said, they put their money in the bank. And I knew that word was never in my Bible. I know my Bible changed. I have I have a very good friend. His name is Dr. Paul Grafton Holt. He's written 12 academic theological books. His, he's a world-renowned theologian. Some of his books are used in Bible colleges as curriculum. All right. And so somebody pointed that this was happening and he started to research. He said, that's ridiculous. The Bible can't change. And so somebody mentioned that the Lord's Prayer had changed. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day. Oh, no, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, what would you say? Do you remember? Trespasses. Sins? Oh, trespasses. Give us sorry. our trespasses is what everybody yeah, remembers. Sorry, I do remember trespasses, yeah. Okay, well, when he, when he opened the Bible, it said debts. And now, th again, this is not a guy that's Give us our debts? What? Yes. He, even I know that's wrong, and I don't even read the Bible. All right, and this guy, you can't claim that we're just biblically illiterate. Okay, I was in full-time ministry for 11 years and when I, in my 20s, when I, and I read the Bible three to four hours a day for over a decade. Because doesn't it say, and, for, and, and forgive those that trespass against us or something as well? Um, I'll have to pull it up what comes after that, but it now says death. So he says, there's no way. He said, he said, my Bible must have been altered. Honey, his wife comes in. She's also born again. Okay, honey, say the Lord's Prayer. She said trespasses. He goes, now open your Bible. It said deaths. She was floored. So she goes, I'm going to go up and get wow, Grandma's okay. Gutenberg. So she goes up to the attic. She's up there for like 20 minutes. She finally gets Grandma's Gutenberg. And I've heard this. People have told me this 20 times now. Oh, I got Grandma's Gutenberg because I knew if it was in there, then it had changed. Well, of course, she brings down Grandma's Gutenberg Bible, and it was deaths in the Grandma's Gutenberg. What? So it's supernaturally. Now, understand, the Pharaoh's magicians threw down their staffs, and they it became a snake. So we have at least one clear example of the devil being able to change matter in the Bible. And this event was clearly prophesied with stunning accuracy in Daniel 7.25, Amos 8.11, Revelation 13, 2 Thessalonians 2, and Revelation 22. It literally says, do not protect the Bible from Satan in Revelation 22. 
Daniel 7.25 says, the Antichrist will seek to change times and laws, which very easily could be interpreted, seek to change space-time and the Bible, because the term laws in that passage is interpreted the law of God, even in the book of Daniel, and then again in Ezra 7. So it tells us that the devil will seek to change space-time and the Bible in these last days. The most compelling one is Amos 8.11, where a curse or uh, a judgment will be sent on all of humanity in the last days, where God says, I will send a famine, but not of bread. It will be a famine of the word, and men will seek the word and will not find it. Number one argument is, John, that's ridiculous. The devil doesn't have that much power. Well, Revelation 13 tells us that God will give him the power. He will, he will be given power and authority to wage war against the saints and to prevail against them. And if you remember Job chapter 1, Satan came before God and argued with God, and God reminded him about Job. And he said, ah, Job only serves you because you bless him. He goes, all, that's in him, all that he has is in your power. So God gave Satan the authority to mess with Job. So, of course, Satan doesn't have enough power unless God gives it to him. So, let me give you a couple of searingly obvious examples. These are two of the most familiar passages for both sinner and saint alike. Billions of people will remember this the same way. Judge not, blanky be judged. King James Version, judge not, lest ye be judged, mm -hmm. is what a billion people will quote to you if you do a fill-in-the-blank yeah. quiz. Even, I, even I've heard of that one, yeah. Judge not, lest you be judged, has never existed in any Bible translation ever in this timeline. <laughs> now, I'm talking yeah. about the Cambridge 1611 and the five Cambridge, I'm sorry, the five King James revisions subsequent to that. It's not, it doesn't appear in any of the other translations, so it's not a modernization, and it's not a Bible translation confusion. So, so as I have meet, met with pastors over the last seven years, probably sat in the offices of at least 20 pastors, and I began to quote these passages to them. Hey, pastor, who laid down with the lamb? Oh, the lion, John. Oh, okay, we'll turn to Isaiah 11, 6. And it will say, the wolf laid down with the lamb. <laughs> and they'll say, well, I can explain this, John. The wolf represents blah, blah, blah. And they start to give me this reason why it's supposed to be there. I said, whoa, whoa. I understand you might want to commentary your way out of this, but let's go back to the catastrophic memory failure that you just had. You're a content expert for the love of heaven. You told me it was lying like it's self-evident, and when you went there, it was wolf. So you're telling me this is the first time in your entire Christian life that you have been confronted with the idea that the lion doesn't lay down with the lamb? The wolf does? This is number uno? Okay, let me do this 10 times in a row with you. For instance, Pastor, do you remember when Jesus made mud with his spit and he healed the blind man? Of course, John. Well, do you remember Jesus spitting in a guy's face to heal him? Of course not. Okay, so Mark 8.23 says, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Now, I've done that. I, I could do that with 100 pastors right now. And they'd all tell me, no, Jesus never spit in anybody's face because it's never been in their Bible, but it has always been in their Bible. Now, because you're in a different timeline or something, uh, Leviticus 12.8 in the King James tells you that you can sacrifice turtles to God. Um, if that doesn't knock you off your chair, then I think you're bewitched. Uh, Leviticus 4.32 says that you can sacrifice female sheep to God. If he brings a lamb as a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Hey, pastor, in your memory, is there anything that even remotely re resembles female angels in the Bible? 
Well, no, angels are always represented as male, John. I've had him tell me that every time. Zechariah 5.9 says, Then lifted up mine eyes and look, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and heaven. Now, it gets worse because not only are these passages vividly unfamiliar, but they are also now introducing what I call biblical paradoxes, like sacrificing turtles or female sheep. So you have things like Revelations 1.13 in the King James Bible. It says, The Son of Man was clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about with the paps. Well, this word is a, is a Bible change in our opinion, because the word paps in the original means female breasts. It's the word stethos. Uh, I'm sorry, mastos. Instead of the word uh, stethos, which is male breast. So you have Jesus essentially being represented as Baphomet, half man, half woman. And then you have passages like Luke 18, 15, where they says now they're bringing infants to Jesus so that he can touch them. In my memory, they brought children that he could bless them. But now they're bringing babies to him, which is so wildly unfamiliar. There's no, it's like your name changing. Yeah. All right. But another one that you're, a lot of people remember is uh, Job chapter one, where Job's wife is haranguing him because he won't curse God and die. And he, and he goes, the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Remember that one? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The Lord away. taketh away. Yeah. Okay, that passage has never existed in any Bible ever. <laughs> right, okay. The Lord giveth and the Lord Everyone taketh Everyone knows away. That, that term. Right, okay, yep. Right on. So, what it says. So, how, where, so where are they saying? Okay, what? Okay, it says go, go the on Lord says, gave. This is what it says in your King James Bible, Job chapter 1. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away doesn't exist. Do you understand? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away has never existed in the Cambridge 1611, any of the five revisions in the American standard. It doesn't exist anywhere. So here's my question, dear soul. How did it get into the minds of every Christian and every person? It's in books. It's in movies. It's everywhere. Here's the answer I've gotten. Now, this answer has come from Bible school presidents, from the intelligentsia of the body of Christ, people who have authored 20 books about God. Well, John, I could clear this up. They're just confusing it with misquotes from pop culture. Or I've been told, well, John, I could clear this up. Have you ever heard of the telephone game? Someone probably misquoted it 20 years ago or 50 years ago, and it just went through the whole world like the telephone game. <laughs> I said, is that what you're going to go with? That's your answer. Yes. I said, okay, if you say so. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, does that yeah, seem wow, remotely possible to you? I, I, okay, so I can't deny that it, it's not a possibility, but I don't think it's probable. No. Okay. Thank you. Let me clarify that incredible insight by Lee. Okay. So I'm a believer and I have a daily devotional that has one scripture I read every day. And so let's take the you know, judge, not lest you be judged. That's going to pop up in there from now and then. Then I also read the Bible every day. And then of course, the Bible is the only book that I ever commit to memory. So now I'm also memorizing scripture That's three influences. Then I go to church on Sunday. That's four. And every once in a while, the guy's going to quote, judge not lest you be judged, right? Then I listen to the preachers on my phone. That's five. I talk to my friends and we share scriptures. That's six. I went to children's church. That's seven. So I have seven influences that are compounded daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. I've been following God for four decades. So for four decades, I've had seven or eight influences telling me that it's judge not, that ye be not judged, because that's what it's always been. But somehow, me, and I don't know, a billion other people, somehow 
remember it as judge not that you be not judged. And what you're trying to tell me is that one guy somewhere out in the data sphere 50 years ago said it wrong and some outlets repeated it often enough. Trickle down everywhere. (laughs) Thank you, no. Thank you, no. I'm going to have to go no. no. All right, now let's just... um, Let's just take a little step back here because I was I was intrigued with the Lord's Prayer that you mentioned earlier, right? Yep. So I just I've Googled it. I've just gone and not Googled, I've searched it, I should say. And uh, look, it just says this is from a website called praywithme.com, the Lord's Prayer. And it has the one that has the verse that we know. It has, and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It doesn't say debts. And it says, but in the preamble, I guess, before it says, the Lord's Prayer, often, oftentimes referred to as our Father Prayer, is perhaps the most popular prayer in all of Christianity. It is known in many languages and re- is recited around the world. There are several different versions of our Father Prayer, though the most popular is the Catholic version with the doxology in the, on the end. Um, now, let's just, for <laughs> lack of a better term, devil's advocate here, um, is that perhaps the reason, one of the reasons why we're seeing that? Or have you got proof to say that in the Bible that you've got right there that you can hold up to the camera shows it differently? And it's like a popular version or something. Because it does say it. I, I can, let me just, have you brought that up? I can post it in the, I'll put yeah. it in the chat right now so you can see it yourself if you like. There you go. It's in the Skype chat now. Click on that one. And it definitely says, give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that's how I remember. That's how I remember my parents saying it when they were younger or going to church and weddings and baptisms and christenings and all sorts of stuff. And it was always how it was always said was the trespasses, not debts. Right. So that's how I remember it. So it's just interesting that searching for it. I, I actually did expect to see it say debts, but it's giving us the one we know. Where do you um, see that? Did you click on that link I sent you? Uh, no, I didn't. Hold on. Go to the Skype chat. Yeah. Okay. And it's the last link I just sent you, Our Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So I, I, I like I find that interesting. Okay, well, that, all that, right. So so what I would say, this this is just a publication this is not referencing any particular uh bible version so this is is, these are somebody posting it from memory or it's what we call residual evidence because what we Mm -hmm. see in this phenomenon is in the data sphere we see remnants of what we vividly remember and we see that as uh where it says in daniel that he will seek to change times and laws indicating that his efforts will not be perfect so there'll be remnants of what we all vividly remember. However, if you go to Bible Hub and you put in Matthew 6, 12, all of the versions say debts. New International says debts. English Standard is debts. Berean is debts. King James is debts. New King James is debts. New American Standard is debts. Debts, 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 debts. It's all debts. Every Bible translation says debts. So what you're pulling up is actually uh, proving that our, our testimony is correct because what we found is that in any given situation, we can typically go in and we can find remnants of what everybody remembers. Now, this, the suggestion that that's what's causing us to remember is uh, uh, similar to what I just outlined. We have all these influences of daily Bible study and stuff that are reinforcing what's in the Bible. And then Mm -hmm. this one little teeny influence out here would not overcome all those. So if I go to, is there like, um, can I go to like Bible.com or something and and search for the Bible hub, go to Biblehub.com. Bible hub. Uh And then put in uh, Matthew 6, 12. And what you want to do is in the very top section, there's a blue bar. But then underneath it is a, a bar that says, and the first word on there is parallel. So if you click on okay, that so term. Just, just before we do that, it's, it's got here, uh, welcome to Bible Hub, preaching topical Greek and Hebrew study tools, blah, blah, blah. 
Here, can I share my screen? Can I share my screen? Please, please, do yours. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right, let me do that. Uh, okay, can you see that now? Uh, just wait for it to load. Okay, it's up now. Yep. All right, so this is Matthew 612. And as you can see, New International says debts. You see that? Yeah, okay, right, yep. And then New, new Living is sins, but then debts, 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 debts. It's all debts. So yeah, it is too. If, if it's all debts, then you have to ask, how is the entire world, every Hallmark card, I, I mean, not Hallmark card, I'm saying all of the people in the world remember trespasses. It had to get in our minds somehow. And the idea mm. that it was just one little mistake that got multiplied, it wouldn't have been multiplied more than everybody reading their Bibles, listening to the preacher for their whole life. That's ridiculous. It's a Hail Mary, superficial attempt to uh, dismiss the obvious. I, I actually even dislike the use of the word debts there. Let's yeah. just focus on that for just a second. It, Absolutely. Debts and trespasses to me is is like... I can see a, a very minor similarity of the perhaps a synonym use there, maybe, but no, like barely scraping through. I, I, there's plenty more words I would choose that would be a synonym for trespasses rather than debts. Why would they go with debts? It's a great question. Because, like, you know what I mean? And I, I kind of want to, my, where my mind goes with that, right, is look at the world today, John. The entire world revolves around debt, debt is, <laughs> that's true debt is money john yes there is, is no money all money is debt right yeah so it's like they're trying to implant that into the rest like in, for the future generations so that we're all used to the word well debt we've all got debt please forgive me for my debt you know what i mean mm -hmm. isn't that Did bizarre it, it's, it's very interesting no, it's very, uh, very good uh, point because we do see there is all kinds of significance in the changes. It's not just that they're changing; it's being changed that's by right. design. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. yeah, and that's why when I liken things to like Berenstein and Berenstain, um, like, well, actually, that's not a bad, that's not a, a good example because Berenstein and Berenstain, right? Mm -hmm. Berenstein to me, what as soon as I hear the word Stein or Stein. To me, it just says Jewish in my head. No right? doubt. Yeah. If I just said someone said Berenstain, there's no association with Jew Judaism or Judaism or Jews or anything there at all. As soon as I see Berenstain, it just reminds me of the fact that, what? Well, well, they already own all of pop culture and movies, and you know, you can't make a movie without the Jewish influence. You know what I mean? Like, for example, right. or even get, even get your books published without some sort of. G'day, folks. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the General Knowledge Podcast. Uh, we have another entire half of this episode still left to go. Uh, the first half of this episode was provided free to all the listeners, all the subscribers. I hope you have enjoyed it so far. Again, in the uh, second half of this interview with John Kerwin, we touch on things like the end times and what that actually refers to as well. We're seeing a lot of stuff happening within our current timeline and reality right now that seem to be pushing towards this uh, end times prophecy. What does that actually mean? What is the apocalypse? The apocalypse is the great unveiling. Unveiling of what? This age that we know of, that is the Piscean age that we're in now, is coming to an end soon. Each of these ages in the precession of the equinox lasts approximately 2,150 years. And we are coming very close to the end of the current age and then moving into the age of Aquarius, the water bearer. What does all this mean? There's some more questions and some great discussion with John about this and what the end times means. Is it a real prophecy? And what it means to be moving into the next age as well. We also touch on the simulation theory and we get John's take on what it means for the simulation theory in his mind. Is there a creator? He believes, yes, there is a creator. I sort of tend to pose the argument that, well, if, there is, if this is a simulation, who's running the simulation? A simulation to what end? Why would someone want to run a simulation? Well, you run a simulation to find something out, don't you? There's information being sought after. 
if this is indeed a computer simulation. We also talk about um, some of the reasons why we believe that as well. We, we liken th certain things to like the, the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio, how it's found everywhere. How can that be? What are the odds of that actually happening? It seems more purposeful, doesn't it? Lots of intriguing questions. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the second half of this interview. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com patreon.com forward slash real news australia all one word and you can join up there you can join as a minimum member you'll still get the episode there are some perks for some of the uh, top tier ones as well if you don't like patreon you don't want to give them your money then head over to buymeacoffee.com and um, you can basically support the show over there we are at buymeacoffee.com forward slash general maddox all one word and you can join up over there as well and grab the second half of this episode there's plus uh dozens and dozens of other bonus content shows we've done throughout the years as well anyway thanks for your support guys i hope you do consider it cheers